Well, it happened about a month ago. It was my birthday weekend and shelter in place was in full effect. And I had no opportunity to go out to a great restaurant to have great food with family and friends. And we couldn't have a party uh, because uh, we wanted to be good citizens and practice social distance. Uh, But I wanted to do something for my birthday. And the only thing that I could come up with was a family hike. And so I told Allison and Shepard and Grayson, I said, hey, if you want to give me a good birthday, uh, say yes to a family hike. And of course they said yes to a family hike and they were actually pretty excited about it. And so uh, we knew exactly where we wanted to go because for the past two years, I've been talking about hiking to these waterfalls. I'd watch friends on social media, hike to these waterfalls, post pictures of these waterfalls. And I kept on telling myself every time I would see the pictures, I'm going to hike to those waterfalls. So I called a good friend of mine, Katie Horn, and I said, Katie, I am absolutely confident you've probably hiked to these waterfalls before. Uh, Am I right? And she said, you're right. I said, okay, tell me what I need to know because I'm going today. And she said, okay, it's a little under three miles in, a little under three miles out. Not the best at math, but that's a little under six miles. And I looked at the boys and I looked at Allison and I was completely confident that they could handle a little under six mile hike. She said, it's gonna take you about three hours. And I said, absolutely confident we can do it. And so she said, uh, that's pretty much what you need to know. You just get on the trail, you can't miss it. So, okay. So we packed our bags, we got our provisions together and off we went. Uh, We got to the place where you park before you go on the hike and we pulled in and we got out of the car and we walked over to the maps that were there and we looked at things for just a moment, surveyed the land, looked at the map and then we headed off down the path. And we just kept going and going and going. I mean, it was beautiful, it was gorgeous. The boys were having a great time. We were talking, it it was great, it was wonderful. And and then I looked down at my watch and we had been traveling for over three miles, three and a half miles. And my good friend Katie said uh, it was a little under three miles and we had been traveling for over two hours and she said it was about an hour and a half. And so I'm, I'm getting a little worried that somewhere along the way I've missed these waterfalls that I've been wanting to see for two years. So I waited till my phone got some signal and I texted Katie and she said, tell me what you're looking at. And I described it to her and she said, oh, I think you're really close. Uh, Just keep on going. Maybe I was off on my distances a little bit, but you just keep on going because it's gonna be worth it. So I look at the family and I said, Katie says it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. And so come on, we can do this. It's a little bit longer than we thought it was gonna be. It's gonna take, you know, a little more time than we thought, but we're gonna keep on going. And, And so we just kept going and going and going and going until we were well over the four mile uh, part of the trip. And so we had traveled over four miles in and uh, so still no waterfall. And then we saw some people on the trail. It was the first time we'd seen people on the trail and uh, we asked them about, hey, are we getting close to the waterfall? And they, they were like, no, you're not getting close to the waterfall. I'm like, why not? They said, because you're on the wrong trail. And I said, how long have we been on the wrong trail? There was a fork and the trail back there at this bridge. Maybe we went the wrong way. They said, no, you've been on the wrong trail since you got out of the car. And I said, oh, and I look at my family and the look of anger is welling up in their eyes. And I sense that they're thinking about a mutiny here and now at this place on the wrong trail. And so we had to do what, of course, we had to do. We had to track another four plus miles out. And so what was supposed to take uh, under three hours um, lasted much longer. And what was supposed to be a little under six miles ended up being almost nine miles. And uh, we didn't get to see the waterfall on my birthday. And I learned a lesson that day. And here's the lesson. 
There's no way to end up in the right place while heading in the wrong direction. That was my observation when we got back in the car that day. There is no way to end up in the right place when you're heading in the wrong direction. We had been going in the wrong direction the entire time. Now, that's bad enough when it comes to hiking, but it's tragic when it comes to life. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed because there's been a lot going on in 2020. There's been a global pandemic. Uh, Just this past week, we were told about murder hornets. Doesn't that sound amusing and wonderful and fun? Murder hornets have visited our country. There's plagues of locusts in Africa. Uh, There's an economic meltdown. Uh, There's, you know, all of this stuff going on in 2020. And I don't know if you've been thinking about it, but life is seldom easy. Even when, you know, that other stuff isn't going on. Life is seldom easy. It's full of difficulty and complexity. And oftentimes we didn't feel like we signed up for it. And we didn't feel like we were properly prepared for it. In life, there are big questions. And sometimes there's not always clear-cut answers to those big questions. And that's unfortunate. And that causes a lot of anxiety. And then there's the issue of just managing our life and day to day and week to week and month to month. And, you know, how are we going to manage our money? And should we put our money here? Or should we do this? And should we spend it here? And, and should we splurge or not splurge or save? Or, you know, what should we do? Uh, how are we going to manage our time? Uh, how are we going to manage, you know, how we raise our kids? What kind of parents are we going to be? And if you're anything like me, and if you're in the stage of life where you are a mom or dad, you're thinking, you know, your big prayer is, God, don't let me screw up my kids. Don't let me screw up my kids. Don't let me screw up my kids. And, and so you're, you're, you're wrestling with that because it's not always exactly clear how you're supposed to, to parent all the time. You know, maybe you're thinking about your, your college major or, or what you should do with the rest of your life or should you take the job or do this or not do that. And so there's lots of decisions in life to be made. And here's an observation I want to pass along to you. No one starts off wanting to make a bad decision about important things. No one. Now, you've made some really bad decisions about important things. I have made some really bad decisions about important things. Most everybody that I know have made really bad decisions about some really important things. But here's the thing. Sometimes we didn't know we were making a bad decision until after we made it, until it was too late. Uh, We didn't even want to make a bad decision Uh, We were trying to avoid a bad decision, but yet we ended up doing the very thing that we wanted to avoid. We made a bad decision. Now, this is also uh, something to pass along to you and to remind myself of. Not every bad decision is an intentional bad decision. Sometimes we, we like to think about bad decisions as always being intentional. They're not always intentional. Matter of fact, this idea reminds me of a terrifying proverb. Uh, In Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, there is a way, there's a path, there's a trail. There's a way that appears to be right, seems to be right, feels right, sounds right, but in the end, it leads to death. There's choices in life, there's actions in life, there's behavior. It it, it may seem right, it may feel right, it may look right, it may sound right, but, but when you get to the end of it all, it's actually destructive, it actually leads to death, and you can actually think you're on the right path, but end up at the end discovering you've been on the wrong path the entire time. That's what happened to us on our family hike on my birthday. I don't want that to ever happen to us on a hike ever again. But more than that, I don't want that to happen to our family when it comes to life. I don't want that to happen to you when it comes to life. I don't wanna be on the wrong trail the entire time and discover at the end I've been on the wrong trail. What we needed that day hiking is what all of us need when it comes to life. We need a guide who knows the way and is willing to show us the way. 
That's what we all need. We need a God who knows the way and is willing to show us the way, the best way to live, the best way to parent, the best way to manage our money, the best way to make big decisions when the stakes are high. Someone who will show us the paths that lead to life rather than the paths that are to be avoided that lead to death. Now, this is exactly what we are offered in Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, it's the picture of a shepherd and his sheep. A sheep, you know, sheep that are, uh, you know, they're directionally challenged. They have a terrible sense of direction. They, they wander off. We've talked about that. They get into trouble when they wander off. We've talked about that. Uh, they hurt themselves and they hurt other sheep when they wander off and get into trouble. And we've talked about that. Uh, when they wander off, they put themselves at risk to predators and, and to their natural enemies. And, and we've talked about that. That's why sheep need a shepherd. Because shepherds know the way that sheep should go and shepherds show sheep the way they should go. And the reason that sheep need a shepherd is the same reason that you and I need a shepherd. We tend to wander off. We tend to get into trouble when we wander off. We tend to hurt ourselves and hurt other people when we wander off. We put ourselves at risk to the enemy. That's why we need a shepherd. And that's what David's thinking about when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack Nothing, I lack nothing. And again, this introduces us to the theme of the entire song that David is pinning. He says, I have a shepherd and because of it, I lack nothing. I have everything I need. And then he, he goes on and he says, the shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He takes me to the place where I can be full and satisfied. He takes me to quiet waters because he cares about how I feel. He knows that I'm afraid of running water, so he takes me to quiet water. And there he refreshes my soul. So last week, I asked you a question, and I hope you've been a bit haunted by it. And I want to remind you of that question again today because it really goes into what I want to talk about today. Because what I want to talk about today is just a continuation of what we talked about last week. And last week I asked you, what if God, these past couple of months, has been seizing an opportunity as the shepherd to force our head down into green pasture? What if he has led us beside of some quiet waters? What if he has brought us to this moment, this season, this place in time, this set of circumstances that we're all facing and walking through? What if he has brought us here? And what if he has brought us here at this time because he is bringing us to the place that he wants us to lay down and to graze and to be full and to be satisfied so that he can restore our soul. Now I want you to hold on to that question because I feel like that's the question of this hour. I feel like this is the question that we can't afford to let go of as individuals, as families, and even as a church. Now, when it comes to shepherd and his sheep, shepherds know that sheep can't afford to stay in the same place for too long. Uh, it's an unhealthy thing for sheep to stay in the same place for too long. It's a bad thing for sheep to stay in the same place for too long. Uh, sheep have a notorious reputation for being animals of habit. Uh, when left to themselves, uh, sheep will travel the same path until it becomes a dangerous rut. Uh, they will graze on the same fields to, to the point that field becomes a wasteland. Uh, that's what sheep do when left to themselves because they are creatures of habit. They will settle down and they will refuse to leave the place where they are unless the shepherd moves them. 
Uh, Philip Keller, he said in his book on Psalm 23, he said, no other class of livestock requires more careful handling, more detailed direction than do sheep. Now, if sheep flourish, it will be because they have a shepherd. It will be because they have a good shepherd. Uh, It will not be because they led themselves. It will not be because they chose their own path. If sheep flourish, it will be because they have a good shepherd. Because when left to themselves, sheep become their own worst enemy. Let me just say that again. When sheep are left to themselves, they become their own worst enemy. Does that at all sound a bit familiar? Does that at all knock on anybody else's door? Has any point in your life reminded you that you are your own worst enemy? I can think of a half a dozen things and I don't even have to think about it very hard or very long to know that at the big moments of my life when my feet have been cut out from under me, when I've undermined what I wanted out of my own future, when I look back on some of those events, I realize that I have been my own worst enemy. Consistently, time in, time out, I am my own worst enemy. I guarantee you, you will find if you examine your story, think about your life, you too have been your own worst enemy because we, at the end of the day, we are sheep. We are like sheep and left to ourselves, we will be our own worst enemy. We will undermine the future that we want. We will undermine it to our own disadvantage, to our own demise. Now, back to the sheep lacking to stay in the same place for too long. They will graze on green pastures and they will overgraze those pastures until those pastures become impoverished, until they become desolate. That's what they do. They travel the same paths, as I said, until those paths become dangerous gullies. Erosion will take place. And and such erosion takes place that what used to be green pastures, what used to be this wonderful place, becomes a wasteland. It becomes desolate. And they will damage land. They will damage pasture land to the place where it cannot be Repaired, that's what sheep have been known to do when they are left to themselves. Now, sheep will become a victim to their own appetite. They'll become a victim to their own habits until the, to the point where they become thin, until the point where they become wasted away, they become unhealthy, they become sickly. That, that's what sheep do. Left to themselves, sheep often become the victims of their own appetites and habits. That's true of sheep. And here's something else. So do we. When left to ourselves, we become the victims of our own appetites and our own habits. That's why David moves us further into this song. And he says, he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. He brings me to green pastures. He takes me to quiet waters. He restores my soul, but he knows that I can't stay there for too long. So what does he do? He guides me. He moves me. He keeps me from getting settled into a familiar field. He keeps me from undermining my own future because I want to stay in a good place for too long. And so what does a good shepherd do? A good shepherd moves his flock from place to place, depending on the season. He watches the grass, he watches the water, he makes sure that they don't stay in the same place for too long where that good place becomes at a disadvantage to them, where this good place where they wasted away into desolation to the point where they become unhealthy themselves. And so a good shepherd moves them on because he knows that's what's best for the sheep because sheep, they will stay there until they die. They will stay there until they kill themselves. They will stay on the same path until that path becomes a rut 
and they can't get themselves out of it. That's what they do when left to themselves. Now, I think this may be what the prophet Isaiah was thinking about when he said, we, like sheep, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own ways. He says, we have been, we have become, we have been, we will at some point in our future more than likely become again our own worst enemy. That's what Isaiah is talking about, that we have a tendency to repeatedly be our own worst enemy, sometimes intentionally do what is at a disadvantage to ourself. And he says, when you look at sheep, you're kind of looking at yourself. When you see sheep left to themselves, becoming a victim of their own appetites and their own habits, he says, then you're looking in the mirror because that's what happens when we're left to ourselves. Some of us have made the worst decisions of our life because we just did what we wanted to do. What seemed good, what felt good, what looked good, what sounded good. And we got into a heap of trouble and there were some bad consequences as a result of doing what we wanted to do. We gave into our appetite, we gave into our habit and it got us into a marital rut, a financial rut, an emotional rut, into a life rut. And one bad decision, two bad decisions, three bad decisions became a way of life. We all have gone astray and each of us have turned to our own way. And when we went our own way, it seemed right to us, right? Brings us right back to the same thing we started with. There is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. This is why we need a shepherd, because we don't wanna end up on a path that leads to death. We don't wanna end up on a path that leads to destruction just because we did what we wanted to do. We need a shepherd who will lead us along the right path the right path that leads to life and joy and peace. Now, we could talk about how this was true in David's life and we did to some extent in week one and also in week two. And we could talk about, you know, your story and my story and we have done that throughout each week of this series. But I I wanna give you a different frame of reference to think about. I want you to think about a different example that also plays out in the metaphor of the shepherd and the sheep. Not only is Psalm 23 David's story, but I think there's a real argument to be made that Psalm 23 is the story of Israel, God's people. God is the shepherd and Israel is God's flock. Israel is, you know, is God's sheep. And so Israel, God's people, his flock, they've got a story that time and time again, they became their own worst enemy. And Israel's story, like our story and David's story, time and time again, they wandered off to their own detriment. They went their own way. They, they went down a path that they thought was right, felt was right, sounded right. Only in the end, they discovered it led to death and destruction. Israel like you and Israel like me and Israel like David needed a shepherd. And so think about Israel's story for just a moment. The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they become a people that end up enslaved in Egypt for over 400 years. And so God's flock slaves in Egypt for over 400 years until God the shepherd decides that he's gonna rescue his sheep. He's gonna rescue them from Egypt and he's gonna begin to lead them to new fields of pasture. He's gonna begin to lead them to green pastures and quiet waters so that he can restore their soul. God is gonna lead his flock to a better way of life, a greater quality of life. He's gonna lead them to a land that Exodus Numbers and Deuteronomy refers to as a land that is flowing with milk and honey. God the shepherd is trying to take his flock from the old into the new. He's trying to take them out of Egypt and he is trying to take them into Canaan. 
And so he takes them out, and like we talked about last week, he, he enters them into a forced rest, so to speak, because he's trying to make them feed on new pastures, and he's trying to get them to drink quiet waters, and he wants to restore their soul. This is God's flock. This is God's sheep, and so he wants to care for them, and he wants to take care of them, and so he's leading them out of what is familiar. He's leading them out of what is old. He's leading them out of Egypt, and he's trying to take them to a better place, to green pastures and quiet waters. But what did they wanna do? Well, they were like sheep. They wanted to go back to what was familiar. They wanted to stay settled in, in Egypt. They wanted to go back to the old ruts and the old ways of life. And this is actually what they said to Moses in the book of Exodus. They said, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. They were moaning about it. They were complaining about it. They said, there we sat around with pots filled with meat and we ate all the bread we wanted. We ate all the bread we wanted. There were all kinds of meat. There was more than enough meat. But now you, Moses, you've brought us out into this wilderness to starve us to death. I love how Numbers records it. Uh, This is what they said in the book of Numbers. We remember the fish we used to eat for free. For free. For free. We could call BS on this because that's exactly where they were at. They were imagining a false reality that was absolutely non-existent. It was false, never happened, untrue. But yet in their mind, this was true. They weren't intentionally lying. They were just remembering what they remembered. And they were remembering a false reality from the past. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Nothing about the taskmasters, nothing about the projects that they were forced into with their labor. Nothing about the mistreatment, nothing about the fear tactics, nothing about all the things that slaves encountered in Egypt, nothing about that, but we ate for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic that we wanted. Do you know why they thought that way? Do you know why they wanted to go back? Because they'd made some deep ruts in Egypt. They'd stayed too long grazing on those fields and those fields had become desolate. Those fields had become bad for them. Those fields had become unhealthy to them, but those are the fields that they wanted to go back to. See, God was leading them to something new and God was leading them to something better, but it didn't immediately occur to them that it was better. It didn't look better to them. It didn't seem better to them. It didn't feel better to them. It didn't sound better to them. And so what did they want to do? They wanted to go back. Let's go back to what was familiar. Let's go back to old. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to the ruts. Let's go back to those fields that are desolate. And they were suffering from what many of us suffer from, false memories of what used to be. False memories of what used to be. Now, think about this. And think about this through the lens of Psalm 23. Think about this through the lens of Israel's story. They were resisting new because all they could hold on to was the old. The old was familiar. They were resisting Canaan because all they knew was Egypt. All they knew were those ruts and those pasture fields of Egypt and they were resistant to the shepherd taking them to new fields and new pools of water. They didn't understand that he was trying to restore their soul. So they were resistant to it and they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to the way things were before all those plagues and before the Exodus. They, they wanted to go back to the way things used to be. They wanted to give up what God wanted to do because they, the only thing they knew to do 
was to go back to the only life they'd ever known for generation after generation after generation. And when they thought of the past, they thought of the past as being much better than what it was. They remembered the past in a way that it never happened. And sometimes that's how we are. We remember a past that never existed. We remember a past that wasn't as good as what we tell ourselves in the present that it was. And so when push comes to shove and God may enter into our narrative and God enters into our story and God tries to move us from what's old into what's new and he tries to move us from Egypt to Canaan. All of a sudden we find ourselves pushing back and we find ourselves wanting to stay put and we find ourselves resistant to change because we think back to the way things used to be and we think, wow, it was so much better and we just, if we can just get back there, then life's gonna be good. Listen, don't ever believe that the place God is leading you to is worse than the place that he is leading you from. That was Egypt. They got to a place and and for whatever reason, they believed that wherever God was taking them was gonna be worse than the place that God was taking them from. But that's not how God works. Listen, where God is taking you is always gonna be better than where God had already taken you. Where God is taking you is always better than where God has already taken you. Paul in the New Testament said that when God begins a good work in you, he's gonna complete it. Paul would also write to the Corinthians and say that the work that God's doing in you is from glory to glory. It's from one level of good to another level of good and it just keeps getting better and better and better. So here's what I wanna say to all of us. In this season where God maybe has forced us to rest and forced us to change some things, and forced us to alter some of our habits and some of our behavior and some of our tendencies. And maybe in this season where God has brought us to a place where we're just thinking about things differently. Don't give in to the inclination to wanna go back. Don't give in to the inclination to wanna go back to Egypt when God is trying to take you and your family and your marriage and your way of life to Canaan. Don't resist this new thing that God's trying to do in you in this season because You're holding on to the old because you believe it's better. Don't hold on to an inferior life of joy and peace. Don't remember life for the way that it never was. Don't look back on an unsustainable pace as the good old days. Don't look back on unsustainable spending as the good old days. Don't look back on the chaos and the lack of joy and the lack of peace as the good old days and say, hey, let's go back to that. God forbid because where God is taking you is always better than where God had already taken you. God's trying to do something, don't miss it. In this season, God is trying to tweak some things and change some things and he's trying to take you from what's old to new. Don't miss it. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along right paths for his own name's sake. For two months, we've been in this. For two months, we've been going through this. What if this is God rescuing you from something so that he can lead you to something? What if God is leading you to change some things in your life? What if God is teaching you that some things have to change in your life? What if there's some fields that you've been overgrazing in and those fields, they've become desolate 
What if some of those paths that you just keep going back to time and time and time and time and time again are just ruts that you've settled into? What if God's trying to take you to new so that you can shake off the old and never return again? What if God's taught you some lessons about money and family and time and schedule and priorities and values and about your faith and about you? Listen, don't wish this season away until you figure out what God's trying to do in you. Don't wish this season away until you try to figure out what God's doing in your family. Don't wish this season away until you figure out where is God trying to take you? Because he's trying to take you to green pastures. And oftentimes when we think about green pastures, we think about this. We think about, wow, yes, sign me up for that, baby. I'm in, I'm, I'm on that right now. Green pastures, blue skies, it's great. Count me in. That's what we think about. It's probably what you were thinking about and picturing last week. He makes me lie down in green pastures, but that's, that's, that's not the green pastures in the Middle East. That's not the green pastures that David has in mind. These are the green pastures that David had in mind. You're like, those are green pastures? Oh yeah, there's some green and there's some green and there's some green and there's some green over there on the hillside. And see a good shepherd, he, he knows where to go find the green. And we'll zoom in just a little bit more. It doesn't even look that green. But the shepherd knows the grass you need for the season you're in. That's what a good shepherd does. And he realizes when we've stayed in one place for too long, whether it was a good place or whether it was a bad place, and he begins to move us to the grass that we need. And maybe this is what this season looks like, and maybe this is what this season feels like, but maybe in this season for you and for our church and for me and our families, maybe this is the grass we need. Maybe this is the grass that we need to get better, to be stronger, to grow deeper, to be more committed, to be more on mission, to have our heart beating in rhythm with God's heart. Maybe this is the grass that we need and this is where our shepherd has brought us to. Let's not resist the grass that he's brought us to. Let's not long to go back to the pots of meat and the bread and the melons and the cucumbers that really weren't that good and certainly not free to begin with. Maybe that's where he's brought us to. Let's not resist it because where he leads, it may not appear better, but it will always, always be best. Let's figure out what God is saying to us. Let's figure out what we need to do. Let's figure out what we need to change. Let's figure what needs to be realigned. Let's figure out what needs to be reset. Let's not resist the new because we got comfortable with the old and let's not resist Canaan because we're comfortable in Egypt and let's not stay where we have stayed for so long because let's be honest, it's not been good for us. But the good shepherd has entered into our time and place. He's entered into time and space, perhaps in this moment to lead you and to lead me place that we need to be so that we can be the people of God that we need to be. So let's not miss it. Let's not resist it. Let's embrace it because where he's taken us, it's going to be better than where he's brought us from. Let me take a moment and pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, I pray that we'll have ears to hear soft hearts. God, help us not to want to wish away a season 
that God, you're using to do something special in. God, help us not to miss this opportunity as individuals and as families. And God, help us not to miss this season as a church. God, I just wanna talk to you from my own heart. I don't wanna miss it. I don't wanna miss it. Wherever it is that you're taking me, I don't wanna miss it. I don't wanna resist it. I, I don't wanna long to go back to a reality that never was. God, help me not to resist it. I wanna embrace it. Good shepherd, lead me along the right path. I'm not smart enough to figure it out on my own. Lead me on the right path that leads to life so that I don't wander off onto the wrong path that leads to death. Speak to us, God, in a way that we can't ignore. And I pray it in Jesus' name. For the sake of your name, in Jesus' name.